Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Welcome to our Words in Progress series, where we get a mini lesson on writing from experts in the field. Yes, and today we will be talking about endings of the story, specifically the resolution and denouement, or versus denouement. I see that you prepared the script so that you got to use your French again. (laughs) Yeah. About every other episode, that seems to somehow happen. Anyway, with us today discussing endings and denouement is Elena Hartwell-Taylor, who I'm sure our listeners will remember from last season. We featured her twice. One, we got to talk to her in a Corks and Conversation about her um, book and her writing, All We Buried. And then we also did a individual episode um, where we paired food and wine with this great read. Yes, definitely go back and check it out. You can see all her credentials or hear all her credentials, (laughs) which are many. Um, but it, besides, you know, having fun talking to us, um, Elena is also an editor and she gives workshops on writing. And um, so we're really, really happy that she agreed to give us a lesson today. So welcome, Elena. Well, I'm so excited to be here. And I, I will warn you all in advance, I will occasionally look angelic <laughs> because I randomly have the sun out here in Western Washington, which is very rarely true, but I, I have this light beaming in on me. So oh. do the appropriate. Oh, yeah, you yeah, have to, happens. you have to enjoy it while you can, right? <laughs> it makes too. you look even more knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do like weird stuff and be like, you know, a mysterious. I kind of pop in and out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, um, just a little background. Elena's been doing these Zoom workshops most Wednesdays that I've been going to, and I'm such a big fan because they, you know, keep me going and, um, you know, it's so stressful. Um, so it's kind of a little nudge every week. Recently, she talked about endings and particularly the resolution and the denouement. And I found this real enlightening. She described the topic in a good way, kind of a made me see the difference, which I didn't really understand before. And so, Elena, can you explain this difference to us? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. I, and I love that this was mm-hmm. a topic that interested you because I do think it's so incredibly important, but also something that sort of gets ignored in a lot of sort of writer's workshops and even, you know, writing books and things like that. Um, it's sort of like, you know, you get to that finish line and you're so exhausted, you don't want to think too much about <laughs> it, right? So I want to break it down just a little bit. And the way, and again, this is how I see things, you know, so this is to take it for what it is, which is my opinion, but this is how I see things working. So the first off is I want to step back just slightly and say that for me, the climax takes place in three parts. And so I see the climax as the lead in, the build, and the resolution. So we're going to talk specifically today about the difference between resolution and denouement, but I want to, I want to start with having a clear understanding of climax. So these three parts, the lead in is when the protagonist is facing sort of their greatest obstacles, the stakes are the highest, and their super objective becomes clear. 
and that that's sort of the lead in. So as those three things come together, that leads us into the climax happening. Because remember, especially when you're talking about book length, but even a novella or a long short story, the climax is not going to take place in a couple sentences. You know, it's going to be a chapter. Right. It's going to be two chapters. If it's a movie, it might be 15 minutes. Like it isn't just a one line thing. So we have this lead in as those things happen. Then we have the build. And the build to me is as we see how that conflict is going to play out. So if you think about a novel or a film or a short story as, um, as having this one central conflict, which is driving throughout, you have all these other little ones that build into it, but that you have sort of one single conflict. So the build here is as we as readers or viewers start to see how that conflict is going to resolve. And so that's the build. So we've let in Things have become clear, obstacles are big, stakes are high, um, super objective is clear. We see the build and we go, ah, I see how this is gonna come out. Then as we actually experience that outcome, that's our resolution. So the resolution to me is the final component of the climax. It is where we see the, how the big question that the book has asked is answered. It's how the, you know, is it a, comedy or is it a tragedy right is this a happy ending or a sad ending does you know he get the girl does he not get the girl does she um you know win the nobel prize not win the nobel prize um does this character achieve what they wanted or not or do they achieve something else which they find out is better that one driving force is resolved and that gives us our resolution um, and we have to have that right we need resolution oh, mm -hmm. yes. of our story right we absolutely have to have that the denouement, which I'm laughing at, at um, you do have an excellent pronunciation. I personally have to look up how to spell it every single time. I never get this word spelled correctly. I'm always looking it up before I uh, talk about it. So the denouement is the new world order, right? So the denouement is the, the story has resolved. The conflict has resolved. The question has been answered. But now we're saying, okay, so how does that impact the character now as they move forward into their new world order. And we don't have to have that. We might have it, but we don't have to have it. We could have a resolution. For example, if you've got a point of view character and that character dies, unless you're going to start writing another point of view, <laughs> man, that story's over, right? Yeah. Or you can write in the afterlife. <laughs> that story's going to end with the resolution. There the is no denouement, right? Yeah, you can do the afterlife. That, that would be a denouement, you know, what there yeah. is in the afterlife. But I like to think about that the denouement is what happens to the character characters as they learn to live with the resolution. So oh. it's the event that happens after the story has been resolved. Um, and so... It, I mean, you can think of it as the epilogue, right? An epilogue is almost by its definition a denouement. Now, you might have it not listed as an epilogue. It may just be your last chapter. Mm -hmm. um, but an epilogue certainly would lean towards this is new world order. This is how the characters are the next day, the next week, the next month, you know, what, wherever that's located. So it's how they are grappling with the resolution of the story. And that you can have it or not have it. The resolution you got to have. Yeah. I love the denouement. You know, it was interesting. Um, 
I was just remembering we, um, I don't know, Elena, if you know Jess Lowry, but um, we were I know her virtually. I know her virtually. We were talking to her, um, um, her book, um, Unspeakable Things. And so she had it, you know, published originally and she left off the epilogue because she felt like this is the end and I want people to think, well, she had so many, she put it on her website and she had so many people like us that were like, oh, yay, let's go to her website and find out what happens that she told her publisher, okay, next edition, let's put it back in. Because, you know, I think people really love it, but you're like you said, it's not always necessary, but in certain stories, you really want to know. And some stories, you really want to have it. You Mm -hmm. you really do. You want to know what's going to happen. And in other stories, and I don't think this is, this isn't a value judgment. It just varies from book to book. Um, And other stories, you're like, wow, I'm so totally satisfied with the end that I can just think about what might happen next. I don't have to actually see it. I don't don't need to see the the writer's interpretation. Um, And, but um, in some, like, the story that you're talking about Jess it's like no we really do need to see that like that that that's you know that matters enough to us that we want that you know now that you're talking about this that it it is optional do you Mm -hmm. think or do you think you can generalize um standalones versus like series you know do you always need the denouement a series where you know that character wonderful question and i will say that um one of the things that a denouement can do is if you are a series writer it's how you hint or lead into the next book you know you might have so for example you've re- resolved the story of that individual book, right? Because every every series book has to work, function like a standalone. But you might have a denouement where, you know, the new client walks in on the PI or um, the phone call happens yeah. of uh, a murder has taken place or a body's been found or whatever. And so it can lead towards the next book. Um, so I think that um, I think that for a series book, it can really serve that purpose. Again, do you have to have it? No, you know, you can you can have the book end and you don't know what the next um, book in the series is going to be until it comes out. Um, simultaneously, you know, you can have a really great standalone where you're like, I need just a little bit of what's going to happen next. <laughs> um, but I do think that it is a great way, it's a great convention for a series writer to pique the interest for readers for the next book. I think it's a savvy move. Um, on the part of a series writer to be like, let me dangle this yeah. little carrot. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. It is. I love that. I, when Christy and I were talking about doing this topic, I think, um, I think it was right after the morning, your Wednesday morning episode where you guys had talked about this and Christy was like, I know what we need to talk to Lane about because she was <laughs> really excited. <laughs> I, love I, that. I have been working on kind of the um, dark night of the soul period in my book. And I want to know what your thoughts are about any relationship between that and the yeah. ending. And I, I loved this. I really put, you know, you, you had mentioned this and I was like, wow, that is so like, I've really got to think about this because I, I found it such a great question. And so First off, I want to clarify for anybody listening that what we're talking about is sort of this philosophical belief of transitioning into finding greater meaning in your life. And that when we're talking about that dark night of the soul, it, it's that um, moment when the character is basically at emotional rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- I, ha- I had so many thoughts. And the first was on on a very top level was like, well, yeah, totally. Be- 
because the climax is when that chap, you know, when that character, that moment where they reach sort of an emotional, um, this is where I got the stumbling block, rock bottom, right? That's where I got the stumbling oh. block because depending on the book that you've got, right, the story that you're telling, it may not be a philosophical sort of emotional rock bottom situation. It could be their moment of greatest danger, but that's not an emotional dark place, right? That's a right. different mm -hmm. kind of climax. So the more I thought about this really wonderful question, the more I thought about it taking on this really broader kind of idea um, about story structure. So first off, the original... Uh, the original thinking about um, the dark night of the soul was actually from a Roman Catholic, you probably know all this, but actually came from a Roman Catholic perspective. And it <laughs> was, um, yeah. So originally where it originated, as I understand it, is that it came about um, the process of connecting to God and that it has now taken on a broader meaning of finding meaning in life. And so it sort of started out from this kind of of religious perspective and that you had to go through this um, dark night of soul or valley of the inner demons mm -hmm. um, on your road to in the roman catholic view getting closer to god in a, um, a larger worldview um, finding a, a broader meaning to life but that's only a center step so if you look at the entire process, right, of finding meaning in life, it's sort of these seven stages, um, cry for help, initiation, dark night of the soul, distant dawn, stepping um, into your life's purpose. I'm going to get back to your question here in a minute, but no, I got so excited about all this. <laughs> Um, finding balance and laying foundations and the seventh, the seventh stage was stepping into inner power or finding that meaning in life. So first off, I got excited about a couple of things. First, I thought was, you know, you could think of a book, a series of books as being like every one of the steps down this road. <sighs> right? So you might have seven books and the character is going wow. through each one, right? I know, my <laughs> blown, right? Um, uh -huh. And and so then I started thinking about, all right, this, this, this moment of um, the, the darkest night of this particular character um, is I was thinking about how it's possible for that experience to be the character's total arc, right, is finding meaning in life. And that that particular step could happen over and over and over as they're moving through different changes. So every time they have a climax, it is where they reach sort of the greatest danger. But sometimes it could be physical. Sometimes it could be emotional. Sometimes it could be philosophical. So I think it diverges from the dark night of the soul in that it isn't necessarily their emotional rock bottom. Right. I think that's where it's divergent. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a possible scenario, but not all the time. Um, but what I got really excited about was thinking about how applying the whole thing to a novel, right? The whole transition. Mm -hmm. So you could have either a single book for each step, or you could have all seven steps in where what you're talking about, Dark Night of the Soul, that's only halfway through the book. They have to 
take what they get from that emotional rock bottom and push that towards the climax so that the resolution is actually further down the road. Am I making any sense at all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, I found the question just so incredibly fascinating. Um, so um, I could see also that the danger of applying it is the idea that every book has to have um, a life-changing experience for the climax, where the person, where the main character then comes out with finding greater meaning in life. And I don't think that's true for every book. Hmm. I think it can be. Mm -hmm. I think you can have a book where the character has a life-changing experience, which is what it would be if this is what their climax is, is, is going through this dark night of the soul. They hit emotional rock bottom. They go through this experience. They come out on the other side. They are, they are changed in life, and they have found meaning in life. But I want you to think about what that would mean in a series. If you had to do that in every single book, <laughs> it'd be exhausting. And your poor character. I just can't every, say that poor character would just be a Every disaster. three months, they, you know, they have a life-changing experience. Like, that doesn't work. No. So on a standalone, I think it's great. In a series, I think it's really possible, but it might take place over the entire bulk of the series mm -hmm. for them to go through this whole transition or have this deep emotional experience. Or it might not be totally life-changing, but in every book, they're going to hit that place of rock bottom, whatever that means in the particular book, and they're going to come out on the other side. It may not change their life, mm -hmm. but it's going to make them understand a certain set of experiences or it's going to make them take a step forward in their particular journey. So what I came out, my, the very short answer that I've given <laughs> now for the last 20 minutes, is I think it is a fantastic tool to apply to your material and say, where is my character in their coming to find meaning in their life? Are they at this place? Are they in their emotional rock bottom? Are they in a place where they've been through that and now they're seeing how to apply that to their world? Mm -hmm. are, they, are they where they haven't even found their emotional rock bottom yet and that's going to be in a different book like i think the wow. application of it is fantastic i just can see it working in so many different ways so i would say that the concepts are related um but not identical does that and sort of answer your question it, it does because i think it frees up i i i wasn't sure if you know if your protagonist is having this life-changing experience mm -hmm. how you would and without a denouement, I guess, when you would, to, to show that, you know, right. It just seems um, rich. And, but I want to read the series with the seven steps that you right. need to write. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm re I'm thinking about this and I'm like, oh man, I want to write these seven books. Like <laughs> I, I, I love this. And the idea of the books where it applies is so exciting. So, um, but you think about going back to your, uh, your, your second question there about like, do you have to have a day for this? And I would say, um, again, it depends if you're showing this whole entire arc, right? We may not need a denouement because man, we've been through this tremendous mm -hmm. journey. If we're on one of the steps, we might want that denouement to see how it's leading toward this larger arc. 
Like I can see both of those being intensely mm-hmm. satisfying. And again, if you're, are you the series writer? Read my next book, read my next book, read my <laughs> next book. Statistically, series writers, they lose readers. They don't gain them. They lose them statistically because people don't want to start partway through a series and they don't want to read a book that's really old. And so they tend to not add on to a lot of series. And so um, standalone, yeah, I know. It, fe- it feels like it should be by the other yeah. way around. Everybody thinks it should be the other way around, but unless you've hit it big, you're Lee Child or you're Sue Grafton, something like that, um, Sarah Paretsky, unless you are that kind of name, if people see your book as book four and they haven't read one, two, and three, they're not going to pick up book four. And book one is probably not sitting on the shelf because it's been out for a couple of years. And so it's, it's challenging um, as a writer to, to have, have these series. Um, it, it actually can be a little problematic. And so this idea of, um, you know, you want to have somebody, if they read your book four, they need to be drawn to book five, but they also need to want to back up into one, two, <laughs> and three. So having these all linked together to me, I'm like, Wow, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write those seven yeah. I mean, That's just fantastic. That would be a draw. I, that makes sense, though. What you were saying too. Now that I think about it, a lot of books I see nowadays don't tell you that they're part of. You bet. You know, they might be like. I mean, in your case, like Bet Rivers Mysteries. Oh, we buried it. Bet Rivers Mysteries. You bet. You can't look at that and know what number it is in the series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so I mean, I because yeah. I'll find a book and I'll be like, oh, I want to ra- read these in order. And yeah. so yeah. I have to go and find their author's website and look at the publication dates. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 So anyways, you really got me going on that question, Kavya. Um, I just so found glad. the whole concept so fascinating and how it plays in with um, Climax and, and Denouement. But I think it's so important for writers to really think about, like, what is this dark place that my character is going into, heading into the climax? What am I overcoming? Um, sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's, um, you know, facing a fear. Sometimes there's a lot of different reasons of how characters reach that that place, mm-hmm. depending on what their super objective is and what their obstacles are and all of that. And so I found that really intriguing as a tool to say, is this, does this fit what I'm working on and how can I use that? I love the idea of separating the climax or the resolution in the, in the de- denouement and, and that you that it be it's a ten, intentional choice whether mm-hmm. you include it or not and i mm-hmm. i don't think i'd ever thought about that yeah. yeah that's what really made sense to me that's why i was like oh kathy this is really interesting you know <laughs> yeah. like you know Multiple everybody'd parts. always talk about the, they would kind of use it interchangeably mm-hmm. or whatever you know and and I would always be like, I don't know, why would there be two different words? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, they really have two very different functions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I think it's useful. And that's why I say this is how I see it and how other people might not. But I think it's a really useful distinction, whatever yeah. language you want to apply to it. Cool. I love that. So, um, Elena, did you have an exercise for us to do? <laughs> I do. I have <laughs> three yeah I have three and so um shall I just I'm just I'm going to tell you what all three are right okay I sort of outline them okay so these are my three thoughts for people to apply to works in progress um the first is to take your climax and break it into those three parts that I talked about Mm. so can you identify the lead-in the build and the resolution. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the ways that you're going to know, oh, I've got this, is if you can identify where the obstacles are the biggest, the stakes are the highest, and the super objective has become clear, then you know you've got your lead in. Oh, I've got this scene, I have this chapter, I have this moment where, like, that's all coming through. And, like, from a pace perspective, even in a slower book, there's a little, there's a, pace kind of picks up there's a greater tension for the reader it's that moment in the book where they're like it's two in the morning but i i have to know how this comes out right we all say that i gotta know how this comes out and that's mm -hmm. because your your lead-in is correct and identify um the build like okay now that you've got that leading in are you answering the question that the book has set up are you showing um how this conflict is going to come out then you'll know you've got your build if you go from um lead in to resolution and we don't have that sort of in the middle we may not be getting as much of this conflict this this climactic moment that we want we may want more um, out of our climax and then lastly with was that resolution um, are we tying up all of the ends that need to be tied up right because we can have some loose threads but it can't be any of the big fundamental ones we got you know you you, you got to know if the the um, romantic partner finds the right person we have to know if the murderer is caught we have to know um, if, if it's a historical event how it comes out like those are the kinds of things that we have to tie up we can leave other things open um, you know, we don't have to tie everything up, but in that resolution, do all the big things get tied up? And if you have those three parts, then you have a successful climax. Um, so that's number one, break your climax into- I always people. love a successful climax. <laughs> right? <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> um, number two, identify the big question to the story and see if your resolution answers it. Ooh. If you do, you're allowed to write a denouement. If you don't, then you don't get to write your denouement because you have not finished your resolution. That has not been a satisfying That's climax. not been a satisfying climax. <laughs> you have failed, right, to, to hit your climax. So really clarify for yourself what's the big question and does the resolution answer it? And if the answer is, well, I don't know the big question that the book is asking, then I think you need to do a little more work in understanding what your through line is, what your spine is, what your character is really after. And so it's a great place to sort of say, have I done this and is it answered? And then number three, no matter whether you need it or not, write a denouement. Oh, that's a great exercise. And if you love it, tack it on. And if you don't love it, don't need it, right? But write one regardless. And then make a choice whether or not you want to keep it. Wonderful. We're right. We're frantic. I'm frantically writing notes. I'm, <laughs> trying, exercise. I'm trying to I think have a of, quick question and yeah. I'm not trying to be silly, but can you have multiple climaxes in a book? Like, I love this question. <laughs> And I'm going to give you a, a, an answer that always amuses me. A friend of mine is a wonderful, wonderful playwright, had written a play which didn't follow traditional story structure. It had multiple climaxes. And she was getting some feedback. I was in the room, and she was getting some feedback from a director. And he starts cracking up. And he goes, you know, when I read this, I thought, he said, I thought there's way too many climaxes in this play. And he says, and then I started thinking about that, you know, that's kind of a male way to think about things, <laughs> that you can only have one <laughs> climax, which I found just hilarious because um, it was a very successful play. 
Here's how I would <laughs> respond to that question. Um, I think you need to have your big question asked at the opening, you know, early on, first chapter, second chapter, you know, early on, what's the, the big question? And I need, think you need to answer that in your biggest climax at the end. In between those, you can have resolutions for smaller questions, right? Mm -hmm. You can have what feels like kind of a climactic event in that like we've really been driving through like who, who did commit the crime? That may be driving us, right? But the ultimate climax is, is catching the killer, right? That, that's where the big climax is. But you might have this sort of climactic scene where your, your detective, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, this event happens and I suddenly, it's all clear to me who the killer is. Great. That can feel slightly climactic. But it's not the big question of the book. If the big question is, you know, will they be brought to justice? So that your big climax at the end. So I think you can have sort of, if Mini you think climaxing. about structure, yeah, if you think of story structure as doing this, you know, you can kind of have these tiny little climaxes, but they're building up to that one answering that big question. If you have a big question and it's answered halfway through the book, you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. right you have a different problem which yeah. is you people are probably going to put the book yeah. down pretty quick right after that. you either have to have a bigger question and mm -hmm. that one is only part one or you've got to push that answer that resolution out to the end because that the the climax and the resolution the big one really has to happen at the end of the book because that's why we feel satisfied yep right yep. so think of it more in terms of size <laughs> wonderful <laughs> This yeah. is a great conversation. I know. <laughs> I know, and we're not even drinking. I was going to say something about we need some wine. <laughs> I know. Say, now I need some wine after all that. I'm trying to be real studious here and drinking our coffee and tea. Um, so uh, anyway, that was, I think this has been wonderful, this conversation. It's you, wonderful. Kathy? Absolutely. And I think it's going to clarify things for a lot of our listeners like it did us. Oh, yeah. And um, on top of that, we have, Elena is offering a first <gasps> chapter critique to one lucky listener. Wow. So, um, that is a, a yeah, we'll have, deal. we'll have the contest stuff on our website and put it out in social media, but that's so nice, Elena, uh, because honestly, she's Thank awesome. You. She's awesome. Yeah. Elena, how can we, um, what's the easiest way for listeners to find your classes? Like Christy's been taking and I've taken a few, but I haven't been as steady as a student. <laughs> Uh, but I always love having both of you there. Um, yes, you. the best the best way to find them, um, you can go to Eventbrite, um, which is just eventbrite.com and look up allegory editing. Um, and that'll take you right to where you can register. You can also always shoot me an email, um, which you can find on my website, which is uh, www.elenataylorauthor.com, um, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, author.com. And um, I have contact information there. You can shoot me an email and say, hey, I really would like to join your workshops. Um, and I can, I can send you the link. Um, but we do have it set up. They're all on Zoom, but we have it set up through Eventbrite so people can sign up and I can send out emails and information. It just makes it a little bit easier. So you can find me on Eventbrite as well. And that's how you can also, yeah. yeah, you can also hire Elena or mm -hmm. Allegory for their, for your editing purposes. She even does short stories and mm -hmm. um, I guarantee you, she knows her stuff and it's. Yeah. it's I, I think anybody helpful. listening to our conversation today is going to know what an amazing yeah. resource <laughs> Elena is. <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, we want to, we want really want to thank you for being yes, our guest um, for sure. in this words in progress series. And um, we're planning on doing these every month so that writers um, can get out there and exercise their craft. And mostly I just want to have these conversations because they're so yeah, fun. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been yes. a delight. So this is the book and Elena, is, we're going to give away a CD of this so you, you can listen to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And we All will. Right. I was um, like, I already have the um, <laughs> book and read it. So maybe I just ignored that part, but that's awesome. It is a so, great novel. It's a great yes. novel. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. yeah it's Page a Turner. Read. We're looking for the wait. next one. Yes. We're not going <laughs> to say that? which one it is in the series. I, I hope to have news soon. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. good. We will good. share that with everybody. So I hope so. Yeah. Next time we have to do this with wine. I'm just saying we really. I, I, I'm <laughs> on board. A little bit of wine, multiple climaxes, wine. We'd be good. <laughs> there we go. I think that's oh, a recipe gosh. for a very successful podcast. I'm just saying. Yeah. like it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right well with a little water risque, and tea we should say right. cheers thanks elena, cheers, elena. thank you so pleasure. much thank you so much for having me <laughs> thanks for joining us on today's adventure subscribe to our podcast on our website gameofbookspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and if you liked what you heard you can give us a five-star rating or review you can also subscribe on youtube where you can watch and listen on gameofbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.